Take your Bibles and turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. And as we think about putting on what God has for us to wear, I want us to look just at one short verse today in verse number 14 of Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 in verse number 14. He says, but above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Between the summer of the sixth and seventh grade, I cut grass and tried to find some odd jobs to do because in the summer of seventh grade, when I was going into junior high, I wanted to have some new styling clothes. And one of the things that I really wanted was I wanted some Levi jeans, not just any kind of Levi jeans, though. I wanted some Levi bell-bottom jeans, all right? You remember those? And so I saved my money and went to the store and I bought three new pairs of Levi jeans at the beginning of the school year. And uh, we wore those for a little while and then we find that the bell-bottom look has kind of gone out of style. Now I hear, and I've seen some pictures recently in some uh, ladies uh, magazines that some of these bell-bottoms may be coming back for you ladies, but I hope they don't come back to us guys, all right? When you're a kid, all they do is they get stuck in your chain and your spokes of your bicycle when you're trying to ride with those big old things on and they're just cumbersome. But fashion changes, styles change, but there's one fashion that will never go out of style, and that is the fashion that Paul describes to us in Colossians 3, 12 through 14, as he tells us as believers at that point of dealing with us and earlier in the passage saying, look, you need to put off the old man. You need to put to death sensual sins. You need to put off social sins. And then he says, put on the new man, and he gives us the kind of virtues that he wants us to put on, beginning in verse number 12, where he says that as the elect of God, holy and beloved. I want you to put on tender mercies and kindness and humility and meekness and long-suffering and bear with one another and forgive one another as Christ has forgiven you. And then he says, but above all, the one absolute essential part of your new attire is going to be Love. And I could think of no better topic to speak on on Mother's Day than the topic of love. Because moms are the ones who, through their sacrifice and service, their listening ear, their wise counsel, and their prayers often set that pattern of showing what true, genuine love is really like. And so we see Paul as he tells these believers, look, you're putting away the old man and now you're putting on the new man and these are the virtues that I want you to have on. Paul makes sure to say, first and foremost, you need to put on love. So I want us to think about the area of love. First off, I want us to think about the priority of love. The priority of love. He says that that above all, first and foremost, I want you to put on love. Now the word that is used for love here is the word agape. It is a sacrificial, 
covenantal, relational type of love. This kind of love is eternal and unconditional. And so the picture is, is that as you have received God's love in your life, I want you to put this on and I want you to show and share this with others. I want you as believers to demonstrate a sacrificial, relational, unconditional type of love to others. But if we look at this, he says, put on this aspect of love, this is covenantal love. Let's, let's think about the superiority of this love. The, the, the love's superiority as we, we think about this above all. This is going to be an essential part of your wardrobe. You know, ladies, there are, there are times that my wife comes in and says things like this. Look at, look at this dress or look at this skirt and this blouse or, or look at this outfit and doesn't this scarf just tie everything together? Doesn't, doesn't this necklace just make this whole outfit? Doesn't this belt just make this whole thing just <clears throat> come together right? And now we get the picture that above all of the things that we're going to wear in the area of fashion, that we need to look and say, love has to be first and foremost. Paul has saved the greatest and the best virtue for last as he has told them to put on love. Now, again, we think about this and we think about this supremacy of of love, this superiority that love is to be first. The supremacy of love above all put this on. Matter of fact, Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, remember this passage? Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a sounding brass or clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I can understand all mysteries and I have all knowledge and I have all faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I bestow all my goods to feed the poor and give my body to be burned but have not love, it profits me nothing. What is Paul saying? That you can speak, that you can serve, that you can sacrifice, but without love, it is meaningless. It is nothing but a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. On Tuesday night, uh, Joel's fiance, Kayla, graduated from... Missouri Baptist, and at Missouri Baptist University, always for graduation, they have bagpipes, all right? Now, bagpipes, when bagpipes are playing well, and there's only two songs that you recognize on bagpipes. One is Amazing Grace. The other one isn't Amazing Grace. Uh, the, uh, um, amazing Grace as they play that, and then they play the other one that ever they play. And I just thought, you know, if a fifth or sixth grader brings home a set of bagpipes, how do parents deal with that practicing? You know, I mean, clarinet and all the screeches, and I was a drummer, and there's lots of noise. But I'm telling you, there's nothing more irritating than a set of bagpipes that aren't playing the right notes. And I think, man, I, I, can, I can bring everything to the table. I can bring great giftedness. I can show great sacrifice. I can do great things. But if I have not love... I'm like handing a sixth grader a bag, set of bagpipes. Just noise. That's what he says. 
Love is absolutely essential, the supremacy. Then we see love's significance because the love that God calls us to live is the love that he has shown us, given us, and exemplified for us. We looked last week that God initiated love to us. 1 John 4, 19, we love him because he first loved us. God initiated love. Then we see that Jesus exemplified love. Jesus exemplified love to us. In John 13, 1, it says that he loved his disciples to the end. And he tells them at the end of John chapter 13, I want you to love one another as I have loved you. Jesus says, follow my example in setting love for others. And then in Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 5, halfway through this verse, this is the greatest second half of a verse ever. It says, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Jesus exemplified love. God the Father initiated love. God the Son, Jesus, exemplified this love while he was on the earth. When we think about great fashion cities, and I had to look this up, I'll be honest with you. I was thinking about fashion cities, okay? So Paris, New York, uh, London, Milan, Los Angeles, those were some of the top five of the the fashion cities. Can I tell you, the greatest fashion of love was shown to us in Israel 2,000 years ago. (laughs) You don't find any of those cities on the top 10 list. But God showed his love, exemplified his love to us through Jesus. Then the Holy Spirit then expresses that love to us. In Romans chapter 5 and verse number 5, it tells us that the love of God is shed abroad, is what the old King James used to say, but it's poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he has given to us. So what does the Holy Spirit do in our life now? It says, look, I'm showing you God's love. I'm reminding you of God's love. I'm driving home and applying the truth of God's love in your life so that you can experience it and you can feel it and you can know it. The Holy Spirit expresses God's love. God's love is poured into our life, poured to the extent of overflowing into our life through the Holy Spirit. But then the Holy Spirit also produces love. Galatians 5.22 says that the fruit of the Spirit, number one fruit of the Spirit is love, okay? So God is calling us to, to show love, but he gives us love, he exemplifies love, then through the Holy Spirit expresses that love, with the Holy Spirit in our life produces that love, and then he says, all right, this is love, now I want you to go practice it. So secondly, we think about the practice of love. The practice of love means that I'm putting on love, but I'm showing that to others. And again, this is where moms on Mother's Day often shine. The practice of love, the early mornings and the late nights, the going last and the serving others. It's the picture of daily sacrifice and daily decisions to serve selflessly. So now, He gives the picture of this practice of love. Put on love. We're not just to put on love as a a show, 
But no, each one of these virtues that is mentioned are things that we are to exemplify and show to others. So that God just doesn't want you to sit off in a, in a monastery somewhere and say, man, I have a lot of tender mercy. I sure have a lot of love in me. I'm not going to show that to anybody, but I'm just going to keep it. I'm just going to have it here. No, the picture is as we go out into the world and we demonstrate this. Jesus was asked, what is the greatest command? And he said that the greatest command is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and mind. Then he says, and the second command is like it, that you should love your neighbor as yourself. So when we think about this this practice of love, the great commandment is, is that we love God and we love others that we exemplify this love to him, that we show him love as Jesus has shown. So let's think just for a minute about loving God. How do we show love to God? Well, hopefully today as you've been here in worship and, and you had the opportunity to sing, you were able to exemplify your heart and your love to God by being focused and, and giving him the worth and the honor and the glory that he deserves. That's part of our loving God. Hopefully this week you've opened your Bible and, and you've heard from God and you've prayed and you've talked to God. And this week, hopefully John fourteen fifteen has been true in your life, as Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. So that out of your obedience, not to show that you're better than anybody else, not to legalistically say, look at me, how good I am, but out of love for him, you've walked with this sense of obedience and fellowship. You've trusted and obeyed because you know there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. That's the picture. That we build this relationship with him. But not only do we love God, but we also are called to love our neighbor as ourselves. We're also called to love others. Now let's think about this call of loving others and loving your neighbor. If I'm to really love my neighbor as myself, I've got to first off understand the love that God showed me. Remembering that God initiated it, Jesus exemplified it, the Holy Spirit expresses God's love to me and produces that love in me. This is not me working up my own uh, moral strength. This is the Holy Spirit working in me to show love to others. So where does this love start? Well, it starts with your closest neighbors. Right there in your home. Love starts in the home. That's where it has to start. That's the one area that should, should be the mark of our homes as believers. That, that, that neighbor that you sleep next to in the bed, your spouse, you're to love them. And those kids that are in those bedrooms around you, love them. And even as those kids get older and grow and get out of the house, we, we keep that love and that bond right there in our home. I was thinking this week, uh, love starting in the home. And I, I will say, when it comes to big decisions and challenging things in, in our life, uh, my wife loves to defer to me and let me be the head of the home and make those decisions. But can I tell you, my wife is the heart of our home. It is her personality and love that sets the temperature and the thermostat of what our home is like. 
so that late night conversations and fun times and making special days special and being there alongside, that is, that's her setting that temperature. I, I often, when people say, man, you know, you're blessed with such great boys, I will tell you, the vast majority of credit for that goes to my wife. She understands relationally. She understands, she, she knows and, and has been able to mother them and lead them. And to be honest with you, sometimes coach me on, on how to respond and how to react situations in life. It's easy for me just to say, all right, do this, do this, do this. I mean, that's just like I get up and preach, I can preach to them. And can I tell you, most of the time I'm loud. So my wife has to sometimes tell me, hey, you know, I know you didn't mean that, but your voice is just loud. You need to take it down a notch because I'm just loud. And sometimes when I'm calling for them or I'm not trying to be mean, I'm just loud. And it comes across harsh. That's the picture. Love starts in the home. Hey, it's important. Moms, it's important. And I realize many of you are grandmas now. Some of you are great-grandmas now. But reading books and having conversations and special times out when you take one kid or one grandkid out, special times when you can pray, Those are all part of what this is all about. Love starts in the home. Then secondly, love shows in the church. Love shows in the church. That that love is supposed to emanate. The first sermon I ever preached 36 years ago this summer was Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 11. Let love be without hypocrisy. Uh, Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another in brotherly love, in honor, giving preference one to another. What's Paul writing to that church? Be kindly affectionate to one another in brotherly love. That love needs to be exemplified in the church. I was listening this week to uh, the radio one day, and they were going through some of the top sitcoms of, of all time. And one of the top sitcoms of all time was Cheers. And I've never really watched a full episode of Cheers. It's been on, and I've flipped through the channels. But I do know that theme about going to a place where everybody knows your name. There's a sense of, of at a bar, these folks would find this sense of belonging and togetherness. Can I tell you, that's what the church needs to be about. A place where you belong, a place where you fellowship, a place where you love and are loved, a place where you serve and are served, a place where you experience love and a place where you express love. And so... Paul makes it clear in Romans chapter 12. Paul writes to the church at Colossae and the church at Philippi, and he prays that their love for each other would continue to abound. First Peter chapter 1, Peter is saying, look, I want your love to be more fervent. What's he writing? He's writing to believers. The picture is, is love should show in the church. Thirdly, love then shines in the world. 
as we think about this love starting in the home, showing in the church, but then this love shines in the world. That as we go out, we go out as a, as a light in a dark world. Can you sometimes believe how unkind and hateful our world is? I mean, doesn't it just, it seems depressing when you see the things that are going on. It's crazy. Every once in a while, you get this little story and this little glimmer that says, you know what? There, there's still some love and kindness being shown in this world around us. I just uh, read this morning about a, a man in Maryland who uh, jumped off a bridge to save a, a child after a car accident and a child had gone into uh, water. But the most interesting story of this week, I thought, was a, a four-year-old boy named Noah Bryant. And Noah, somehow as a four-year-old on the autistic spectrum... Somehow he got onto the phone or the computer and ordered 51 boxes of SpongeBob popsicles and sent them to his aunt's house. Over $2,000 worth of popsicles sent to his aunt's house. His mother is trying to get her degree in social work, and I mean, this was going to sink her. So a friend got on GoFundMe and raised over $11,000. I just think that's a good story. That's, that's funny to hear. If I had a four-year-old who was ordering 51 cases of SpongeBob popsicles, I would definitely keep him away from the phone or computer or whatever he needs to be kept away from. But for people just to come alongside and say, hey, we're with you. We're going to help you. We know this is a struggle. And we, it, it, it turned into a, a, a cute story with a sense of devastation to a mom to now him having a GoFundMe account and having some money accumulated so that he can further his education as well. We as believers need to shine in the world in which we live. I'm thankful for our missions and the things that we're doing here. We're passing out food with Connect. Last week, we had a a group of of students uh, on a Saturday go over to Love Packages. We had another trip to Love Packages since then. I mean, it's just getting active in ministry and missions. Through COVID, passing out hundreds of Chick-fil-A sandwiches and hundreds of McDonald's uh, breakfast sausages to healthcare workers. That's, That's the picture of love shining in a dark world. And no doubt many of you have stepped up, stepped up to serve in so many areas in your life and in your neighborhood. Can I tell you, that's putting on love. We think about the practice of love. We love the Lord. We love others. But then I want us to think about the perfection of love. Notice what he says, that above all, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. The picture is, is that in that day, they would wear these loose uh, garments and, and by putting on this bond or this belt that would bring completeness and wholeness, if they needed to, to uh, hike up their long flowing robes to run somewhere, they could tuck that in their belt. Whatever they had to carry, they could kind of ease that into their belt. Everything, all the loose ends would be tied up by this belt. And that's what he's saying here. This belt of, of completeness, maturity, this belt that ties all of these other virtues together, 
So that love ties together our tender mercy and kindness. Love ties together our humility and meekness. Love ties together our long-sufferingness and our forbearance and our forgiveness. Love is that perfect bond that ties everything together. That's the picture, that love is this bond of perfection. And I find it interesting, again, that word, that bond of perfection. Love ultimately ties all of these other uh, areas and virtues and unites all the virtues. Love brings everything together. Love unites the the virtues that, that are shown so that as I put on tender mercies and kindness, love is going to bring all of those in unity. Love unites all the virtues of Christ. That's the picture. These virtues that we're showing. And then as we think about all of this being tied up and wrapped up with love, we also see that love unites all the body of Christ. Notice back down with me in verse number 11 of Colossians chapter 3. The church of Colossae is, is, is not a monolithic group The church at Colossae are people who came from diverse roots and backgrounds and environments. So that that Paul, when he, he writes to this church, he's writing to Greeks and Jews, circumcised and uncircumcised, to barbarians, the uncultured and the Scythians. He's writing to those who are slaves and those who are free. But what does love do? Love unites everybody so that in the church at Colossae, that one who may not have a nickel to their name may stand next to someone who is a millionaire and in Christ and in love, they are part of one body. They stand together as brothers and sisters. He takes Jews, and he takes Gentiles. And again, there was a lot of animosity between the two. And the Jews would look down upon the Gentiles and call them dogs. And and he would say that love is going to unite all of these people in the body of Christ. It's interesting because commentators argue over, is this love as the bond of perfection uniting the virtues or uniting the body? And I want to tell you today... I believe that love unites both. That because of God's love in me as a sinner, I can love you as a sinner. And now we love each other as saints. We recognize what the Lord has done for us. It again is not what I brought to the table here. It is not my, my finances or my education. It is not my intellect or my quick wit. It is not my gifts and abilities. It is all about falling short of God's glory and Jesus showing his love toward me and all people there around us being image bearers of God and me saying, Because they're God's image bearers, I can respect them. And as they come to the Lord Jesus, I can embrace them as brothers and sisters in Christ.
Now listen. They may not like the things you like. They, they may have different opinions than we have. But it is love that unites us. It is love that brings us together. And oh, what a desperate need we have in our world today. For some men and women who have experienced love through the work of Christ in their life and through the Holy Spirit coming into their life to now go out and express this love to others that are in darkness and that they do not and may not ever understand. But God so loved the world. And God calls out us as believers to go in love like he loves. Jesus told his disciples, this is a new command that I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. He set the example. Now let's go live out the example. Love, the bond of perfection. So I have a question for you today. As a believer, are you a screechy, scratchy, old bagpipe? Or are you one who has received his love and now going? to express that love. And with that, let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would just challenge us with the truth that we've heard. And Father, I pray that if there's someone here who needs to just come to you and may your kindness lead them to repentance and may they experience the freshness of your love and walk in the fullness of that love. Lord, thank you for the love that sent Jesus. And may we, as believers who are sent, go forth in love as we have been loved. In your name, amen.